Welcome to Israel Week in Review with your host, Ben Ronsman. Today is Friday, August 20th. In about 15 minutes per week, you can gain insight into the top stories taking place in Israel and the broader Middle East. We also provide you with explorations of history, culture, politics, and more. Visit IsraelWeekinReview.com to receive updates and hard-hitting content. Israel Week in Review is brought to you by Cleveland Jewish Funerals. Cleveland Jewish Funerals has opened a new funeral home on Miles Road, conveniently located near Orange and Solon. They conduct Jewish funerals for every Jewish denomination, from Orthodox, Conservative, Reform, to the unaffiliated. To learn more about pre-planning, contact Community Liaison David Pearl, clevelandjewishfunerals.com. This program is also supported by Origin Story Marketing. Search engine optimization is essential in today's business environment. To learn more about how Origin Story Marketing can help customers find your business, visit originstorymarketing.com. This week's news is a bit depressing. Chaotic American withdrawal creates regional uncertainty. America's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan has delighted the country's adversaries and greatly concerned its allies. The Biden administration's irresponsible and ill-conceived withdrawal has left America's Afghan allies in the lurch and caused serious doubts about America's dependability in Taiwan, Ukraine, Iraq, the Persian Gulf, and even Israel. The United States is seen as riven by internal divisions and unable to formulate a foreign policy outside the constraints of domestic politics and the 24-hour news cycle. More frightening still is the possibility that the Biden administration conceives of this tragedy primarily through the lens of partisan politics, Rather than view these events as fundamentally damaging to America's global interests and alliances, the current administration may simply view this as a damaging news cycle that will fade in importance in the coming weeks and months. However, these events are perceived quite differently around the world. After an enormous investment in blood and treasure, America simply walked away from their commitments and allowed the Taliban to take control in a matter of days. That our withdrawal was conducted on the 20th anniversary of September 11th is more troubling still. I'm not sure exactly what the Biden administration was trying to communicate by selecting that date. For the Taliban, I fear that the message conveyed is symbolic for all the worst reasons. There are those who argue that an American withdrawal was inevitable. But when the Soviet Union withdrew from Afghanistan in the 80s, the government that they set up lasted nearly three years before it collapsed. Polling indicates that a majority of Americans, including substantial numbers of Republicans and Democrats, have supported pulling out of Afghanistan for some time. The problem is that many Americans do not fully grasp how essential America's global role is. Our withdrawal from global engagements does not mean that we will usher in an era of peace. Other, less benign powers will certainly fill the void left by America's absence. Many countries around the world may conclude that the United States is not a reliable ally and that they would be better served making accommodations with Russia, China, or Iran. While fatigue from America's involvement in foreign military entanglements has remained a popular opinion in the U.S., it's also true that most of those people are unaware how minimal American military engagement with Afghanistan had become. Approximately 2,600 American troops were stationed in Afghanistan, mostly providing air support and intelligence to the Afghan military. The number of American soldiers killed annually in Afghanistan was approaching zero before the American withdrawal. Of course, you can describe our involvement with Afghanistan as a 20-year war. However, the price the U.S. was paying for Afghan stability had been reduced dramatically. It is important to note that the United States maintains a military force of nearly 40,000 in Germany and 30,000 in Korea. Can these conflicts be described as 75-year wars? 
Very few Americans would characterize our continuous involvement in Europe and Korea in this way. Both West Germany and South Korea needed American military support to stave off the Soviet Union and North Korea. To this day, Europe cannot face off against Russia on their own, and South Korea is heavily dependent on America's forces acting as a deterrent. The Afghan military could have been sustained at a fraction of the cost of America's other military alliances. As it stands, the situation in Afghanistan will revert to that of September 10th, 2001. The Taliban will almost certainly become a refuge for jihadi fighters from across the Muslim world. We must never forget that a few short years ago, the Muslim Brotherhood had taken power in Egypt and Tunisia, and ISIS had established a caliphate that ruled over 20,000 square miles of territory across Iraq and Syria. These ideologies did not simply disappear. Now militants have a territory from which to operate and plan. While it is true that the Trump administration had already agreed that they would leave Afghanistan, minimal American involvement could have been maintained while still claiming that the U.S. had largely left the country. We had trained the Afghan military to fight using 21st century tactics. This means that they were reliant on American air support, communication systems, and intelligence. When we signaled that we would no longer be providing these services to the Afghan military, their eventual loss to the Taliban was a foregone conclusion. President Biden's shameful speech, blaming the current debacle on a cowardly and unmotivated Afghan military, is simply reprehensible. Over 60,000 Afghan forces had lost their lives in the battle against the Taliban. Had the United States stopped providing air support and military assistance to the South Koreans and Germans, those two countries would almost certainly have been defeated by their totalitarian neighbors. America's global adversaries have rejoiced. Iran, which shares a border with Afghanistan, is delighted. Their new president will return to nuclear negotiations with an even more militant posture than before. In their congratulations to the Taliban fighters, Hezbollah stated outright that an Iranian oil tanker was on its way to Syria in direct violation of U.S. sanctions. They were openly daring the Americans to respond. Hamas, the Muslim Brotherhood, and ISIS have all offered their congratulations to the victorious Taliban. The Chinese are messaging the Taiwanese that resistance is futile and that America is an unreliable ally. Oman, another Gulf nation that was on the cusp of joining the Abraham Accords, now views accommodation with Iran as a better strategy than reliance on the United States. Counterintuitively, it is possible that American-Israeli bilateral relations will become stronger under these circumstances. After all, Israel remains America's most capable military ally in the region. Israel maintains independent intelligence-gathering capabilities and military capabilities that are unmatched by any other regional power. As Israel and the United Arab Emirates become more closely aligned militarily, their independent capabilities may become more important to the United States. One can only hope that the U.S. reclaims its indispensable global role. Anti-war sentiments on this issue are misplaced. An American retreat from global responsibilities will not result in less global conflict. Rather, those conflicts will be placed squarely at the feet of the United States and its allies, whether they like it or not. Tensions between Israel and Iran continue to mount. The Syrian state news agency reported strikes against Hezbollah positions on Tuesday. The attacks took place in the Kunetra region in the Syrian Golan, directly across the border from the Israeli Golan Heights. Israel has long been concerned that the Iranians and their proxy militia, Hezbollah, would build up their military capabilities in the Golan Heights through the importation of sophisticated weapons systems directly on Israel's borders. Israel has periodically struck Hezbollah and Syrian Arab army positions since the outbreak of Syria's civil war. On Thursday, 
the Israeli Air Force struck Hezbollah and Syrian army positions in the Kalamun Mountains near Damascus. Four Syrian civilians were reported killed in the Syrian town of Qara after 10 Syrian anti-aircraft missiles were launched in response to the Israeli attack. Once again, the Syrian military has claimed that the rockets were intercepted. The Israeli military has not commented on these events. It is reported that a Syrian missile was launched in response to the attacks. It exploded over the Dead Sea and rocket debris fell on the Jordanian side of the border. Both Syria and Lebanon have filed a formal condemnation of the attack. Both countries claim that the Israeli attack originated from Lebanese territory. Lebanon's caretaker prime minister, Hassan Diab, has argued that the attacks are a direct violation of UN Resolution 1701, which safeguards Lebanon's sovereignty. Unfortunately, Lebanon is not a sovereign country. The Hezbollah militia has essentially become a fully-fledged arm of the Iranian military. Hezbollah's power greatly exceeds that of the very limited capabilities of the Lebanese army. The long-suffering nation of Lebanon is once again serving as the staging ground for regional conflicts. Unfortunately, Hezbollah is the tip of the spear in Iran's aggressive intentions against Israel. If, or perhaps when, Iran decides to strike Israeli targets, it will almost certainly do so using Hezbollah. Tragically, many Lebanese who have no desire to partake in another destructive war will find themselves pulled into the maelstrom. With American influence in the region in decline, Iran will almost certainly attempt to press their advantage. Most Lebanese find themselves in an absolutely untenable position. Their country is in total disarray and is slowly but inexorably being pulled into the orbit of the mullahs ruling from Tehran. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett will visit Washington next week. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and the White House have announced the first official visit to Washington by the new Israeli Prime Minister. Mr. Bennett is leaving for the United States on Tuesday, and his whirlwind visit will be only 48 hours long. Mr. Bennett's meeting with President Biden is scheduled for Thursday. White House Press Secretary Jem Psaki stated that the Israeli visit would, quote, strengthen the enduring partnership between the United States and Israel, reflect the deep ties between our governments and our people, and underscore the United States' unwavering commitment to Israel's security. It is expected that one of the main agenda items for discussion will be Iran. However, the meeting is taking place in the wake of Biden's disastrously inept pullout from Afghanistan. This pullout has left American allies apprehensive. America's enemies, most notably Iran, will be emboldened and will try to press their advantage during this time of perceived American weakness. The Iranian nuclear negotiations will soon resume under the direction of hardline president Ebrahim Raisi. In the wake of the Afghanistan debacle, it's possible that the Americans will want to demonstrate success in their negotiations with the Islamic Republic. There is precedent for the United States engaging in successful negotiations after a damaging military withdrawal. The United States withdrew from Vietnam in 1973. In 1972 and 1979, the U.S. successfully concluded the SALT I and II agreements with the Soviet Union. I fear that the Biden administration may be so desperate for diplomatic success after their recent failure that they may compromise American and Israeli security interests in order to secure an agreement. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's meeting comes at an exceptionally sensitive time. Many former members of Obama's foreign policy team are currently running America's foreign policy in the current administration. Benjamin Netanyahu's direct critique of Obama on the floor of the U.S. Congress forever guaranteed that Netanyahu would remain a hated figure amongst these advisors and policymakers. Bennett has the advantage of not being Netanyahu and leading a government that includes alternative voices from the center, left, and Arab sectors in Israel. 
Ideally, Naftali Bennett will be able to influence the American administration without making disagreements public. It must be remembered that the Americans do not want open disagreement and tension with the Israelis. This could be perceived as yet another foreign policy failure. Biden cannot afford this. Prime Minister Bennett has to navigate a very difficult and delicate situation. The cornerstone of Israel's defense policy has always been predicated on an exceptionally close alliance with the U.S. There are many questions about the competence and resolve of the current administration. Israel must seek to strengthen its relationship with the Democratic Party, which suffered during Netanyahu and Trump's time in office. Can Israel strengthen its relationship with the Democrats and express Israel's concerns vis-a-vis Iran without making these disagreements public? Only time will tell. In economic news, Israel's economy grew by 15.4% in the second quarter. The Israeli economy made a significant recovery in Q2, growing by an annualized rate of 15.4%. This growth was a direct result of the end of many of the most onerous COVID restrictions. Israeli government officials are seeking to combat the resurgence of the Delta variant without resorting to another lockdown. The Israeli economy has made an impressive comeback after contracting 2.5% in 2020, largely due to the pandemic. Leaving aside the gnawing fears of a resurgence of the Delta variant, the Israeli economy has many perceived strengths. These include a thriving technology scene, relatively low interest rates, and strong private consumption. The generous social welfare benefits distributed during 2020 likely have preserved consumer buying power. Israel's economic recovery exceeded that of most OECD states, including Belgium at 14.5% growth, Canada at 13.8%, the United States at 12.2%, and Austria at 11.4%. Israel's economic growth tied Portugal at 15.4%, but trailed Italy at 17.3%, and France at 18.7%. This has been Ben Ronsman from Israel Week in Review, providing you with a breakdown of the week's news from Israel as well as thoughtful perspectives on the region's politics, history, culture, and more. Visit IsraelWeekInReview.com in order to receive regular updates and hard-hitting content. Please like us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast in any number of channels in which we operate. This includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Stay tuned for additional content, including our deep dives on varied topics and upcoming interviews. Israel Week in Review is brought to you by Cleveland Jewish Funerals. Cleveland Jewish Funerals has opened a new funeral home on Miles Road, conveniently located near Orange and Solon. They conduct Jewish funerals for every Jewish denomination, from Orthodox, Conservative, Reform to the unaffiliated. To learn more about pre-planning, contact Community Liaison David Pearl, clevelandjewishfunerals.com. Israel Week in Review has also been brought to you through the generous support of Origin Story Marketing, helping customers find your business through search engine optimization, To learn more, visit originstorymarketing.com.